the letter of engagement needs to reflect the tasks that you are doing for that client, the frequency for which you're doing them, and also in particular, what part the client has to do in those tasks. My experience is when we had them in place, it was a level of comfort because we'd had all the hard talk up front about what we were going to do, what you were going to do, and when you were going to pay us. You are listening to Australia's Tax News Podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 162 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Why should you bother with engagement letters? This is the question I asked Tim Hoopman of Spin Business Solutions in Sydney. Before the actual interview, Tim already gave some very good advice that I wanted to share with you. The engagement is a really important first step in your new relationship with your client. And whatever industry you're in, you should always have one. Because what you should always prepare for is the day that you potentially need to part ways. And a lot of those parting ways is not a bad thing. It just kind of happens. And and I'm not saying you part ways because there's some legal stouting. But if you part ways, then it's really, and you have a letter of engagement, then it's really easy to understand how you part ways without any angst, without any, you know, thing horrible and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I think people underestimate that. It's the power of that onboarding and engagement and the aspects around that. So there's the legal letter, there's, there's you know, setting up expectations of actually what you're going to do. Obviously, the things like electronic signatures and all that just make the process easier. The power comes in being really, really clear up front about what your engagement is. Clarify that. Make sure that there are no surprises that you've got an engagement letter, everybody's read it and agreed it, and it sets out how you're going to work together and operate. And then the other side of it is, to me, it's all about then valuing yourself. So I've got a letter of engagement, we've agreed the the fee for service, and we've agreed how it's going to be paid. So all of that stuff is signed up at front, rather than two or three months into the arrangement, and then it starts to get a bit messy. And someone says, well, I didn't think you were, you were going to charge me that much. And all of the things that I've been in way in the past, when in particular when we're on billable hours. Moving into value pricing, it's easier then to set up your engagement and be very, very clear about what's in that engagement for that price and what's out. So in my experience, if someone's not prepared to sign a direct debit, then you'll probably have problems with payment later. And I've been generous to people in the past and go, oh, yeah, okay, this time it'll be okay, and then it never is. If you want to fly to Melbourne, Qantas don't say, oh, pay me later. That'll be okay. I trust you. So part of the re- the other reason I believe for the engagement letter is, is it's about valuing yourself. I can provide you this service. Here are the terms of which we're going to work with. So you're going to have to do this bit and I'm going to have to do that bit. And then I'm going to deliver this for you. Here are the timeframes and here are all the details. And here's the price. And here's how you're going to pay me. And then what you do is you kind of on level footing. Because certainly in my experience with with non-payment is it starts to become a tool that someone will use most likely negatively against you. 
oh, well, I'm not going to pay you now before blah, blah, blah. So all of a sudden you move into a very different relationship. That's not how you started out. Sometimes people are not sure of the process, so they don't know how to write it into their engagement letter. But once you clarify that, it makes it a lot easier. And then you don't have scope creep because everyone goes, oh, God, I'm worried about scope creep. It's like, well, clearly define in your letter of engagement what you're going to do and then anything outside of that, charge them for it. And if you don't talk to them about it that month, that these tasks are outside of that, and then bill them for them, well, then don't expect to get it done, get it paid three or four months later. You know, oh, yeah, I'd kind of forgotten about that, but I need to add that to you now. Because of technology, it's now easier because a lot of things are way more defined for us. So, for example, if you look at all the automation that's gone on with payroll, online timesheets, online quest for holiday leave, say, and then approval. All of that's online. In the past, it was a piece of paper and then someone was not really sure where it was. So it was all manual and, and some of that was hard to identify. Now it's like, well, it's all online. So which bit are you doing and which bit is the client doing? Write it down. So these were some unofficial comments from Tim Hoopman. But now to the official interview with Tim Hoopman of Spin Business Solutions. Why should we bother with engagement letters? We're all running a business and engaging with many and varied clients. And in my view, Each and every one of those needs to have a clearly defined letter of engagement, all the terms and conditions of how you're going to operate together set out, clearly the tasks you're going to do for them. Because if you think about, if I think about my bookkeeping business, we didn't do every task for every client. For example, some we would do payroll and some we wouldn't. So that's just one example. So the letter of engagement needs to reflect the tasks that you are doing for that client the frequency for which you're doing them. Also, in particular, what what part the client has to pay, uh, sorry, has to pay, has to do in that, in those tasks. Because if you think about automation now, there'll be a lot of things online that the client will now do as opposed to the bookkeeper in the past. For example, payroll. The, not all cases, but in a lot of cases, the employees put their timesheets online, the manager at your client's office approves them. And then when payroll comes around, the bookkeeper then processes the payroll. Similarly for leave requests, a lot of they're now automated, they can be now automated, they should be in my view. So what happens then is potentially that will all be managed at the client and It'll all be approved online and then you'll process the payroll. So it's kind of different in the past, but it's all manual. Using the past, it was all manual and sometimes it's a little hard to distinguish, you know, where the paper was and who was a, who, whether it was approved or not. So it makes it a lot easier. So I think definitely clear and concise letter of engagement, terms and conditions, who's doing what and when, and your price. And Tim, do you find that the engagement letter becomes a lot more important as we move from a charging by time to a fixed fee structure because when you charge on time you don't really need clear processes 
so much. You don't really need to be clear on what you do or not. You just kind of start doing it and, ah, oh, you want me to do that as well? Sure, I do it. Make it up as you go and then you just charge your time and then hope that the client will pay it. But when you move to a fixed fee, then you need to be really clear on processes. You need to be really clear on what product you deliver and what you don't deliver. And then you need to document that in the engagement letter. There was one word that you said when you were talking about billable hours and you said hope. And often it was, in my experience in the past, hope that when you bill them at the end of the month, they're going to agree with those hours. So kind of, I kind of disagree with you. <laughs> Sorry. So I think the letter of engagement is important whether you're billing by the hour or whether you're fixed fee. So let me let me explain why. When you're billing by the hour, obviously you need to, they need to understand your rates. You might have a tiered rate in your practice for different different tasks you do. Maybe lodgement of bass is different from bank reconciliation, for example. So I think it needs to be clear. I still also think that irrespective of how the fee is structured, whether it's by the hour or by fixed fee, the client wants some sort of understanding of what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, and roughly how much time it's going to take if you're on billable hours. So therefore, from that perspective, you still need to be very, very clear. And also, a good example of that is in the past, many years ago when my practice was on billable hours, we would sometimes blindly go along and do over and above activity. A good example of that is I'd like a budget. Okay, we'll do a budget for you. Without being clear that there are a certain number of hours that will do that, it might be at a different rate, whatever the conditions around that. And by the way, your normal bookkeeping bill this month will be different. And in a lot of cases, we got into trouble because there was then disagreement and debate afterwards. Yes, because the conversation didn't take place before. So I'm I'm a firm believer that you use it in any situation. But I also think that what it does is it helps you internally get your ducks in a row. having a pricing structure on the website. I had it, but we were on that was when we were on fixed fee and we had it was three different packages and it clearly stated if we're doing this activity for you the price will be from this and etc cetera, etc cetera. and we had three packages. The the interesting thing about that is again you need to be incredibly clear and keep it really really simple. So for example, it's easy to show a package where it doesn't include payroll because sometimes people are sole operators and they don't have payroll. So you need to give them that option. Then sometimes you have it with payroll, but it could be up to five employees or, I mean, there's different ways of doing it. And there's, there's in fact, there's experts out in the marketplace that can certainly help you with packaging that up. The key thing for me that I believe is make it really, really easy for your potentially new clients that have been referred to you or maybe just come onto your website, make it really, really simple for them to understand how if they were to engage you, what they would get and the sort of starting price. And then you have a discussion with them. A lot of people that I talk to who are billing by the hour and want to move to a fixed fee structure are very concerned about what I would, what I talk about or what I would consider scope creep. So 
I and Scopekeeper would be for this price, I'm going to do these tasks. And then all of a sudden during that month, there are other things that need to be done. Like before, it might be they ask you to do a budget. That's a little easier to qualify outside the scope of what you're doing for them every month. But here's a good example. They get two new employees or they well, one or two people leave. So you're doing termination or you're adding in new employees. Do, do we consider that scope creep or not? Again, it depends on how you've structured your um, letter of engagement. And if you're talking clearly about we're processing up to five or 10 or whatever your numbers are, payroll fortnightly for you. Now, if that changes, then I would believe that's outside of scope. But here's the thing. If you have the conversation immediately, it takes the heat out of billing for it at the end of the month as an over and above. And I think in any bit, any business and any operation, it's really about clear communication and it's about transparency. And I think that helps. But again, the letter of engagement is the template that you've agreed to that you use at times like that to check and make sure that, okay, we can ch charge over and above for that because it is out of scope. And so do you think it's enough to just list those extras in the engagement letter and then for example, the engagement letter would say termination of an employee is an extra $500 or whatever it is. And then when it happens, you just add it on the bill without having a conversation about it. Or do you think it's very important to have a conversation every time there's an extra to raise that and to mention it? Depends on how you set up your letter of engagement. If you are clear in there about additional services that you do, so for example, anything around payroll, whether you know, if it's outside of that, it might be someone going on maternity leave or there's all sorts of different things that you could be doing. So for some businesses, they may include that. I'm, I'm not sure. For other businesses, because they're often one-offs and you can't, not everybody wants it, they have it as an out, outside of that fixed fee. I think if you're clear in your letter of engagement, other services that you can provide, so for example, someone going on maternity leave or termination or a or a bonus payment or things like that. If you're very, very clear about it, then it makes it a lot easier. Um, and if you have an understanding of how you're going to charge for that, by all means, put it in there. And then if the clients agree to it, I think it's always it's always good to mention it to them. And then there's no surprises. But certainly if it's clarified in the letter of engagement, I think, and you're clear with them about it being over and above, um, then by all means, you would charge that. And be clear about how you show that in the letter of engagement and sorry in your invoice at the end of the month as well. Do you think for most of us talking about fees etc is an uncomfortable topic? I think it, I think it's different for different people. It's kind of a bit like if you've ever worked for somebody and or you've gone for an interview and they'll say to you, you know, what's your salary expectations? Throughout our career working careers whether we're working for ourselves or whether we're being employed by somebody else, we have to value ourselves. So if you're an employee you've got to say I'm worth X amount plus super a year, and I believe that that's my value. Obviously, within the industries that they work within, but you know, some people value themselves um, at the top end of the range for the job. Some people, you know, find it very uncomfortable to talk about that. And I've interviewed a lot of people. When I ask that question, a lot of people are really quite uncomfortable talking about it. But it's an important thing to to have up front because if if someone doesn't tell you, so for example, in the situation of being employing someone, if someone doesn't tell you um, and then you make them an offer and it's kind of way out of what they think, then 
you're kind of back to square one all there. You know, you wasted, your you wasted your time. So the same thing goes when you're um, when you're selling your services. Um, I always found that when we had some pricing guidelines on the website, when we were really clear about what our packages were included and didn't include, and when we it made the conversations so much easier. Because you weren't then going, oh, well, I'm not really sure how much that's going to be that month because we bill by the hour and I don't know, it's kind of roughly this many hours and then you've, made, you've got it wrong. It's very, very different. And I think people do struggle with that. But the more that you can make it kind of clear and, and you're not wedded to it, it's, that is our price and this is how we operate, um, it makes it a lot easier. But it comes down to the when we talk about letter of engagement, we talk about being paid on time, things like that. It comes down to your value and how you value yourself. And it's really important in running your own business or working for somebody else that you do value the services and the work that you do and you expect to be paid for that on time. made a very good point before that the engagement letter is an important document no matter whether you charge by billable hours or whether you charge a fixed fee but my experience and I might be wrong my experience is that a lot of accountants don't prepare engagement letters for work like BAS and tax returns auditors definitely prepare engagement letters because it's a very litigious area mm -hmm. but a lot of accountants don't Do you think that has to change as the industry moves more into fixed fee arrangements? I think at the end of the day, um, an accounting firm or a bookkeeping firm can really do what they want as long as they're happy with that and their clients are happy with that. So if they don't want to do a letter of engagement, then that's fine. My experience is when we had them in place, it was a level of comfort because we'd had all the hard talk up front about what we were going to do, what you were going to do, and when you were going to pay us. And, you know, we had to, we, it's also about holding yourself accountable in terms of that, uh, that arrangement. And I always think that, you know, if you're really clear and you set it up right at the beginning, then what you're doing is you're having faith that this relationship is going to be a long and fruitful relationship for both parties. So I think it's kind of important because the worst thing down the track, and I've been in this, is then when you're fighting and arguing down the track because it wasn't signed or someone wasn't it wasn't clear in there or they didn't believe it was this. So have all that hard talk up front. And the other thing for me in, in relation to doing that, you have all that hard talk up front and someone doesn't want to sign it and they don't want to proceed, then you're probably not the right business for them and they're potentially not the right client fit for you. And that's a great position to be in right at the very beginning, not a few months down the track and then it gets all a bit messy. I can tell you now that I've been down the track and I've engaged with people and I thought it's going to be okay and it's gone messy and, you know, I've been at fault for not being really clear up front. So that's why I like now say I love having those engagement letters in. I like being really clear. I like knowing what I'm going to charge them and when I'm going to charge it and Technology and automation has helped make the process easier. Being clear on what you do in your engagement letter, I can imagine also shows 
expertise and experience because it shows you know exactly what the process will be like. You know exactly what needs to be done and what doesn't. Correct. And I also think it helps your team. So it makes it clearer for your team to understand not only who this client is, what is the work that we're going to do for it, and who's going to be responsible for that. So things like, you know, I think you touched on it before, process and productivity and workflow and deliverables and all of those things can be made much clearer if you are setting it all up at the start and being really upfront with the customer about what you can and can't do and when you can do it by. Are there apps or tools out there that allow you to churn these out quite easily just with a few clicks of a button? Yeah, no, definitely. There are a number of different options in the marketplace. So first and foremost, one of the things I've, I have found out is the association, so whether they be bookkeeping or accounting, a lot of them um, will have letters of engagement that they will provide for their members. I went on the Tax Institute website and I also tried the um, Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand website, logged into the member portal, searched for a good 10, 20 minutes. I couldn't find any template engagement letters there. I'm not that sure. I can't comment about um, from an accounting perspective, but certainly from a bookkeeping perspective, a lot of the associations will have as members will have that information for you because I've worked with a number who have gone to their association and been able to obtain as a member a legally created letter of engagement or contract or whatever you would like to call it. Sorry to butt in. After speaking to Tim, I wrote to the Tax Institute as well as Chartered Accountants for Australia and New Zealand and both got back to me. The Tax Institute doesn't have a template yet, but is looking into this. But CA does have a general template in their tools for members. So I stand corrected. <laughs> Apologies, I was wrong. Back to Tim. Certainly down the track when I've been in at loggerheads with a client, parting ways and getting payment, uh, one of the first things a collection agency or people like that will say is where's your legal signed legal letter of engagement? It's best to have a legal a proper legal document rather than something that someone's written up themselves because there would be terms and conditions in there that are, you know, important, uh, relevant for the accounting and bookkeeping industry, etc. But getting back to your other question around options, well, certainly practice ignition and they um, connect to all the cloud accounting software, but they do a great job and my accountant uses practice ignition and it's seamless and it's easy. comes to me came to me the other day to renew, had all the terms and conditions, had all of the things that the firm was going to do for myself and my companies and partner, et cetera, put in your banking details, electronic signature, sign, and done. Easy to ask questions along the way. So that, I mean, that's my experience as a user of that. Uh, we use Proposify, Practice Ignition. There's a, there's a number of different ones around. Probably the best place to start is on the app marketplace with people like Zero and QuickBooks Online, um, etc., to see you know who connect into Zero as well, if that makes it easier for your practice. But definitely there are online tools and products out there that take away all of that pain for you. I mean, you could 
you could get a letter of engagement from the associate, say the bookkeepers association you're with, and you could plug it into DocuSign and you could send it off yourself. I mean, there are simple ways of doing that, or you can engage with practice ignition and other you know, other online companies such as that who are providing information for the accounting industry. End of the day, it ends up on your choice and how many you're writing and all those things. I, I just would encourage people that they always have them in place, updated, signed, electronically if possible, and um, direct debit arrangements agreed all up front. Get all the hard conversation out of the way and then get on wowing them with your services. <laughs> Certainly when using an online tool such as Practice Ignition, they have built-in already electronic signatures makes it very easy. But certainly um, the days of emailing a, a letter of engagement and asking someone to print it off and then sign it and then scan it and send it back, a couple of things around that. One is it'll take much, much longer because people have so many steps to do and they've probably got other things to do. Not that they don't want to sign it generally, but if you think about that versus someone receiving the letter of engagement online and all of a sudden they click into it and it pops up and they can sign it. They can review it and sign it. They can ask questions. You know, they can do all these things. The power of that is it's much more instantaneous and it's easy and people are on their desktop. They're probably used to this with other suppliers and it makes it a lot easier. So you, we tended to find that once we move from asking the print off and sign it to online electronic signatures that would pop up expediated the process and generally that people found it much much easier welcome back so having a clear streamlined process around engagement letters is a good indication of how well our practice is set up in general in the next episode, episode 163, Tim Hoopman will talk about payment gateways. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.